Welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, the podcast that helps advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families understand the complexities of issues related to our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Our co-hosts, Arden O'Connor and Diana Clark, will interview a series of guests on a range of topics, providing informative content and practical tools for professionals and families to consider. Here are your hosts, Arden and Diana. Hi, and welcome to an episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. Today's guest is Stephen Wolt. He is going to be talking about his life with sex and intimacy addiction and his honest account of what his journey was and why he has brought his personal mission into a professional realm. So Steve is an influential healthcare entrepreneur with a passion for breaking down barriers, reducing stigma, and improving behavioral health outcomes. As a leader with, I love this, superpowers of vulnerability and courage and inspiring others with his own personal mental health journey. He recently founded in July Valor Recovery, which is a specialized recovering coaching program for men to overcome compulsive sexual behaviors, porn abuse, and intimacy addictions. It is a peer-based recovery system that helps clinicians and other professionals get support in their outcomes as well. So thank you, Steve. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So this is one of those conversations that people are often really um, reluctant to talk about. We don't talk about sex. We very often don't talk about religion. We don't talk about lots of things. And as a consequence, I think things become shamed and secret and the conversation becomes stilted. So talk to me a little bit about how you embrace this personal journey of recovery. What was your moment? Well, you know, I'll start off by saying that um, it, today the, the mission in my life is to summon the courage to be open and honest about my journey dealing with sex addiction to help break down barriers uh, of shame and stigma that so many men face in their lives, uh, talking about these issues and asking for help around it. So you're, you're spot on. It's uh, There's a lot of awkwardness and discomfort when talking about these issues. So, so important for me in this next phase of my professional journey to, to really shine the light on my story, own my story to help others. So, you know, that's kind of where I am today on this journey. So are you willing to talk about your story here today with yeah, us a little I, bit? Yeah, I'd love to. And so, yeah, please. Um, so I'm in long-term recovery as a drug addict and a sex addict. And um, I really want to focus today on the sex addiction component of my journey. And, you know, it started in the late 90s. Um, you know, I remember distinctly in my apartment in New York City getting pornography um, and the Internet. And what was, uh, which at the time, you know, before that really didn't exist. And um, so it was easy. It was accessible. And I had access to it at any time in the privacy of my own home. And truth be told, uh, watching pornography lit me up like a Christmas tree. And um, 
Can I interrupt for one second? When you say that, when you say lit you up like a Christmas tree, are you talking about much in the same way that drugs light people up if that that's their their nature? Uh, identical. Identical. Okay. You know, it was like doing a line of cocaine. Okay. And um, what ended up happening was, I, you know, I, I used, started using pornography, similarly why I use drugs to really numb the pain of loneliness, anxiety, and depression. And I started watching it for longer periods of time. I tried to stop on a number of occasions unsuccessfully, um, which really just showed I had developed a dependency to it. You know, oftentimes in life, you know, the solution to my problem ended up being worse than the problem itself. And that certainly was the case with porn. Um, pornography um, and the internet also exposed me to a lot of different types of sex that I really didn't know even really existed. And so a dark world of fantasy and fetish that pornography exposed me to that was really difficult for me to understand why I was so attracted to it and so stimulated by watching these types of pornography that really violated a lot of my own values and, um, you know, was kind of different than my sexual orientation. So it was confusing and it was really shameful and I didn't really understand what was going on, but it was progressive in nature. You know, it led to the use of escort agencies, use of prostitution and strip clubs. Um, here I was, thought I was a good guy, a good person, but yet engaging in these behaviors that I was just powerless over. Um, and it led to a really unhealthy mental state of mind for me. And it got even further progressive and engaging in role-playing fetishes, submissive behaviors that really reinforced low self-esteem and self-worth. And I had sexualized uh, rage and anger and unresolved childhood trauma. And um, at the time, this was just so shameful. It was so confusing. I didn't have the skill set to share this with anyone um, because I was embarrassed at what I was doing, not really understanding why I was doing what I was doing. And it brought me down a very, very dark and painful hole. Um, and it took a lot of hard work to climb out of that hole. Um, but the depth of it, you know, looking back and talking about it now was profound. So I just want to get a little color to the details in terms of were you working at this time? Did you have a successful career that was sort of compartmentalized or was this influencing every element of your work? You know, and I had a very successful career at this time. You know, um, which was a good thing and not such a good thing in hindsight, right? I had, uh, I had put so much emphasis on my career as my identity, as other areas of my life were really struggling. So my career took on a life of its own. There was this belief that 
uh, if only I got to this level of success, if only I made this amount of money, uh, I would feel better about myself. And the opposite actually happened. You know, the more success I accomplished, the worst I felt about myself. I felt like a real phony and a fraud. And, you know, what the money did was just perpetuate this insanity in, um, in the way I was acting out, the use of drugs, being able to fund just about anything that I wanted to. It enabled me, but also it, I had the resources to pay people to clean all this crap up. And um, whether it was lawyers or, you know, treatment centers, or you go through the list of people that uh, I was able to have the money to kind of pay to, to keep this going. And the reality was it wasn't until I got fired and lost every dollar I had that I was able to really begin a meaningful journey of healing. So you did have that kind of bottom where you did get fired, where you really had to look at the wreckage of your life and create a new. Yeah, I mean, and I don't wish that on other people, but I was the type of addict where I had to lose everything. And uh, in hindsight, I'm grateful for the journey out, but it, it was really hard was not an easy experience, you know, working through these issues to get to the other side of this. I would think that in our culture that is so amenable to talking about substances that the substance use addiction piece would have been almost less shameful than the sex addiction or the porn addiction. Yeah, I mean, you know, Think about like I, you know, telling someone, "Hey, I, I have an issue with cocaine," versus I have an issue in watching transsexual pornography, right? And so, you know, I, I say that not flippantly, but you know, I couldn't possibly get those words out of my mouth, you know, early on in this journey. Um, I didn't understand it. I certainly had a, a lot of self judgment, but I can only imagine what other people their ability to process that or sit with that um, might have been really difficult. I remember reading something by Scott Peck, who wrote The Road Less Traveled, and mm. he was talking about, have you read the book? I have. So he talks about that everybody has problems with sex. The question is, who talks about it? Who is able to acknowledge it? And I wonder if that isn't what you're finding with your Valor recovery, that, that it is almost universal. What yeah, are you finding? It's, it's so interesting. There's nothing inherently wrong with the behaviors I was engaging in. Um, so it's not about judgment of that. They, 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 for me, it just, uh, just became toxic and really unhealthy. And so what I have found with valor in, in, in particular is that um, men in particular suffer in silence and struggle talking about these issues and being vulnerable um, talking about their sex life, porn use, porn abuse, and at the end of the day, uh, intimacy with a significant other. These are difficult things for men in particular to talk about. They exist on, in, on some scale with every 
human being and, mm-hmm. you know, right sizing the conversation uh, is a goal of mine. So what does a right size conversation look like? You know, initially it's, it's uh, finding a safe place to be unsafe, right? Or mm-hmm. where you can just find a, a safe place to share the truth about what exactly is going on which requires courage. So much of this journey for me and for so many of the men that I've worked with over the years requires courage, vulnerability, love, honor, and integrity. Um, Really critically important to begin to have the conversation about, like, what's the truth? What are you actually doing here right now? Let's take the stigma and shame out here and let's just Mm -hmm. put words to what's going on. And, you know, for me, it was so important to, to heal in community. I, I don't think I could be in this place in my life had I not been so involved in a community of other men working through these issues to you know, help reduce the shame, realize I'm not alone in the, the behaviors I engaged in and the feelings and emotions I was working through and some of the fears and challenges. So I think with this condition in particular and with men in particular healing and community can be so powerful i can see that you're right men don't tend to talk in the same way or the stereotype is that men don't talk in the same way that women do but as i'm listening to you women talk about lots of things but i'm not sure they talk about intimacy in the same way that you are exposing men to the richness of that conversation i think women shy away from that as well Hmm. yeah especially um i I, we've seen a bunch lately of women or who've had husbands who are challenging with watching pornography and how that affects their self-worth their identity and the challenges in talking about it with a significant other or getting help around these issues is, is really hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what helped you in addition to the community of men? Yeah. You? You know, yeah. So I look at my re- recovery, which is a long time right now in, in three parts. You know, when I first got into recovery, it was all about going to any length to stop engaging in these behaviors. Right. So it involved, residential treatment. I went away to a treatment program that specialized in sex addiction and childhood trauma. You know, I had a very violent childhood and I had to really begin the process of unpacking that. You know, it then involved working with trauma therapists that specialized in uh, these types of abuses. So I, you know, process of doing a psychodrama therapist, art and music therapy therapist, EMDR therapist, and, you know, it was interesting. It wasn't easy. I struggled for a few years coming out of residential treatment, um, maintaining abstinence. There was improvement, but, you know, abstinence and it was just really hard for me coming out of the gates. Um, the other thing that was so important, my family came together and we did the therapy together as a family. So there was just mm-hmm. such healing that happened as a result of that and working through these childhood traumas together as a family. And, you know, I I have an incredible relationship with my parents today who are still alive. Um, And and like I said, being part of a 12-step community around this issue. So that was like part one of this journey. Part two of this journey was 
you know, a few years into recovery, working through the shame, you know, as I alluded to earlier, these behaviors brought me to a really dark place. And so, you know, coming out of the gates, I, I, you know, I was just sexually anorexic and I went, I thought sexual recovery for me was just going to be like, dude, you're just not going to have sex. And, And that really isn't what we do here. And mm-hmm. so a few years into this kind of anorexia, um, I really needed to start working through the shame um, of these behaviors and start to look at well, what does healthy sexuality look like? What does healthy dating look like? And how can I bring, you know, the sunlight of the spirit and God into my sexual relationships? And that was really hard work. and. Uh, I was so grateful that I had so many men that were in my life that had been through this already that could help me and mirror back to me these wonderful qualities about who I was as a human being. So we kind of co-elevated as a group, which is really beautiful. And then the third part of my journey is kind of the life I get to live today. And, and you know, I'm married for several years now to the woman of my dreams. I mean, she's my wife, Jennifer, is spectacular. I adore her. Um, and I continue to work a really solid program of recovery to continue to learn how to give and receive love. And, and you know, what's really interesting is also the worst thing that I can possibly say happened to me is actually the best thing that ever happened to me. So how can I say, you know, I'm a sex addict and my life has been absolutely destroyed from sex addiction. And today I am so freaking grateful that I am a sex addict in recovery because I am so uniquely qualified to help other men today, given my life journey and being able to put purpose to the pain on a daily basis continues to heal me. So, so grateful for, for that. Wow. That is a very inspiring statement that you can say a disorder born of trauma, a disorder born of the need to numb or the need to escape, then becomes the vehicle for purpose and mission in your life. That's, that's, a, that's a hero's journey, as they say, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Steve. So we have just about close, closing in on our final minutes here. Is there anything else you would like our audience to know before we close today? I would say um, if you're suffering in silence out there, don't. There are incredible resources out there to help men transcend these issues. And I can share with you with my own personal journey and being involved with so many other men's personal journeys that there's an incredible life waiting for you on the other side of these behaviors. So don't give up and get the help you need. That's wonderful. Thank you, Steve Walt. This has been Beyond the Balance Sheet Podcast. If you listened to this episode and found it helpful, please like us on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast designed to help advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families solve some of their biggest medical, psychiatric, and emotional challenges. 
Visit beyondthebalancesheet.com to read more about our guests and resources and sign up for our newsletter.